Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Managing Expectations. Yes, it's been a few weeks. I get it. I know. I'm sorry for um, the handful of you who sit on this free entertainment. I'm sorry it was it was late. No, that's uh, me lashing out at, at not being able to fit it in my schedule. Look, you can see it on Twitter. You can see it on MLSsaga.com. You can see it on the various other things that I do. I'm busy. This is just an excuse. There's, uh, there's no good excuse, but, you know, the month of decision day through MLS Cup is always absolutely out of control in terms of everything that, that goes with you're focused on the playoffs and then half the league and growing goes into the offseason. And, and as you know, listening to this, that's that's where a lot of my, I guess, uh, busyness and, and value comes when with all the offseason stuff and, and all of the reporting. So, look, between playoff features analysis columns and, and offseason stuff, it's been a little busy. And look, that's no good excuse to not find an hour here or there to do a podcast and not find, you know, 40 minutes, 20 minutes to, to get with a guest. Um, I didn't do that either again today, so don't get your hopes up. It's just going to be me. Um, and I wanted to talk about MLS Cup, and I wanted to talk about the offseason to kind of put a bow on me whining there for the first minute. And and we'll just, you know, talk all these things out, all these things that I'm writing and doing. Um, you know, so first of all, we've got MLS Cup coming up on Saturday. It's it's Philadelphia Union traveling to face LAFC. Um, it is very rare, not just in this sport, but in all in all sports, but basketball, really, for the two best teams, the clearly two best teams, I think, very easily, clearly, this year in MLS from start to finish, for the two best teams to get to the final in a playoff system. There's variance in the playoffs. The teams peak at different times. Teams, you know, NYCFC looked awful in August, and then they looked awesome in October, right? Like, so teams get hot. Think Random things happen. Like, I was talking to Philadelphia Union head coach Jim Curtin, who, who was kind of like, look, people don't want to admit it, but in in knockout knockout competitions in playoff competitions you just need a little bit of luck it is what it is like and that comes down to it too so it it was it is cool to see occasionally um the top two teams you know meet in the finals and when we're all talking all season like oh wow this would be a great final or like oh wow these two are the best teams and then it doesn't happen when when Philly won the shield in, in 2020 they were out pretty quickly um LAFC in 2019 when they had that historic team they were out to Seattle Sounders like LAFC, uh, LAFC like had a scare against the LA Galaxy. They were seconds away from going extra time. Philadelphia Union were down one nothing against NYCFC in the Eastern Conference Final. And being in the building, and Jim Curtin spoke to this too in, in his post-game press conference, like, I could sit here and lie to you and say I knew we were going to come back and win. But, like, I'd be lying. Like, look, it, it's it's human nature. Like, it, like I, sitting in the press box, I got to say, that, that place was deflated for a couple minutes. Philly created nothing against NYCFC up until the point when NYCFC scored. I was like, oh, wow, like this NYCFC, are gonna, how do they do this again? I was already starting to think, you know, obviously there's 30 minutes left. You weren't really writing it off, but it felt pretty unlikely that not only were they going to come back, but they were dominant over the last 30 minutes. So all credit to Philly for getting here, but it just goes to show that the fickle nature, the unforgiving nature of knockout competitions, of, of playoffs in a league that's so that has so much parity like MLS and, and just a larger point to soccer, there's more variance. The lower scoring the sport, 
the higher variance because goals become more random, not random, but you know what I mean? Like in the, in the NBA playoffs, best of seven over seven game samples, that's obviously the better team wins. And just normally in basketball, the better team wins because there's more points scored. So there's more, there's more regularity with the better teams to prove that they're better. And that's why in basketball, so very often it's, you know, the top three seeds, if not the top two seeds, if not the top one seeds. And again, in MLS, this is the first time since 2003 that the top seeds from East Conference have, have made the final. So again, I'm really looking forward to this one. LAFC um, and, and Philly, they finished level on points in the regular season. Um, the LAFC won the Sporters' Shield because of a wins tiebreaker. Uh, Philly had the better goal difference. I still think that goal difference should be the tiebreaker, but I understand historically in MLS, there were a lot of draws in the early 2000s, and that's why they made this change. So I understand it. And again, like uh, LAFC lost on the final day of the season at Nashville. They already had the Shield wrapped up, so maybe that would have been different if not. So, so who knows? Regardless, larger point, these are pretty inseparable teams. These are both really great teams. And what I want to talk about for the next 10 or 20 minutes, however long I ramble here um, on, on my second cup of coffee already, is how different these two teams took in the paths to build their rosters. And how, how like the, again, I keep on using the word variance. I, I love that about this league, that there are different strategies. I love that about soccer. Tact, there's so many different tactics. And, and roster building, there's so many different roster building ideas, particularly in salary cap sport. These two teams did it so differently, but they both did it so well. And they both did... They're both different models for different teams across the league, like Philadelphia for for how they've found so much value and, and the academy productions that, that they've got. LAFC for hitting on their stars, leveraging their their advantages of being in Los Angeles to get players like Bale and Chiellini on Sam deals. Um, while also, you know, they went within the league. They, they looked at like Colorado has been really good at this. Montreal, Vancouver, these are teams that went within the league to get to trade or free agents. And LAFC did that this year. Like these are these are two absolutely elite roster builds. And, you know, it's it's not a surprise that they're here. It wasn't like people look at LAFC for the money they spend, and, and that's true. But a lot of teams spend money. Toronto and Atlanta did not come close to here. Like the Galaxy were, were I guess the closest air quote big spending team, maybe Cincy, even though they're kind of in the first year of a new era. It's not just the money, it's how they're using it. So um I, I kind of broke it down on Twitter as well, if you need a visual aspect to this. And like, I looked at the starting 11s and how they were acquired and what the acquisition costs were. And it's just like funny looking at these two teams next to each other. So we're going to start with Philly here. Like the back line and defensive mid, like it's, it's absolutely insane. Like Andre Blake, number one, super draft pick all that time ago, Jack Elliott, fourth round super pick um, in 2017. I believe it's, it's just wild. Like those are two, you know, Goalkeeper of the year for Blake, Andre Blake for the third time. Jack Elliott, I have him best 11. He should have been a finalist for um, Defender of the Year. But just for the way that uh, MOS Awards work, they, could, they couldn't nominate more than two players. So Glessness won and Kai Wagner finished second. But you go across that back line, it's it's Olivier Mbizo, um, a nominal transfer fee to originally go to Philly Union 2 and then into the first team. Again, super draft for Elliott and Blake. 375000 to sign Jacob Glessness out of, I believe, an, a Norwegian team. Defender of the year, just incredible. Kai Wagner was around two hundred thousand, or maybe a little bit less, from the German third tier, and he's probably going to be sold for what six to eight million dollars, whatever it is. Whether it's Leeds were interested, I'm not sure if they're going to be the team because I think they missed the boat. And Jesse Marsh is the one driving that. And as as you know, before this Liverpool game, Jesse Marsh's job status was yeah, in question, um, but he'll be in Europe for many millions of dollars at some point. And then Jose Martinez for three hundred twenty five thousand from the Venezuelan league. Like the thing that is so impressive about just that 
group in, in you know, you can go deal by deal about you know, why all the merits of, of how crazy all of those were in terms of value and finding undervalued talent. It's look like in Bizo's from, uh, uh, from, from Africa, that's one market. Jack Elliott, like he was already at the club. Andre Blake already at the club, but though still it's like college and you know, this predates the front office predates everybody, but Jim Curtin really. So, uh, but then you look up Jacob Glesnes, Norway, Kai Wagner, Germany, Jose Martinez, Venezuela. It's not like Ernst Tanner and that front office went, okay, I know Germany and Austria. I'm just going to sign players from Germany and Austria, or I'm only going to be good at signing players from Germany and Austria. It's really impressive that those are all from different markets with vastly different, you know, like skill sets and, and the leagues are all these different things. Like the networks are different. The fact that it's not just one market that they're going to. And, you know, we're going to talk about the attack and that, that is obviously extremely important, but this is the foundation of this team. Like, they are a defense first, like the, they're a defensively elite. Like you're not going to score seven goals against every team, even though they kind of looked like they were going to in July. But like, this is why they're, they have the foundation to be as good as they have been for the last five years. Like they're in the, them and LFC are in the top three for cumulative points over the last five years. Like that starts with the defense, like that, that's the control. And then you've, you know, the further you go in the playoffs where your best players have to be your best players, you, you need some attacking help. I kind of ran out the midfield. Alejandro Bedoya is straight up one of the best signings in league history. $1 million from, from Nonsen in the French top flight. He, it's not just the production on the field, which again has been elite over the last, I think, six years now that he's been here, six, seven years. It's what he's meant to this team. He is almost as important as Jim Curtin and, and or Sander. Like he's been in the locker room culture. Like it's no surprise that some of like Kai Wagner, Jose Martinez, and some of the other really good signings like Daniel Gazdag, who we'll talk about in a minute. The reason why it's so easy for these these players to kind of come in and settle is that it's a defined system and a defined foundation. That starts with Jim Curtin, Alejandro Bedoya, Andre Blake, Jack Kelly. Like when you have the control, it's easier to bring in pieces. Like they've transitioned from Brandon Aronson, Mark McKenzie, Austin Trusty, like Jamiro Montero, all these players, they've improved every time they made a new signing. And that comes from the stability that's around them. And Leon Flock, 200,000 from FC St. Pauli. Part of that was because his contract was up, I believe. At the end of the year of which that they signed him from, they got a 19-year-old U.S. Youth International who has played in every single game over the last two years at the Philadelphia Union have participated in, 64 of which starts. You forget that he's 21 years old because of just how consistent and, you know, I say this in a nice way, boring that he is. Like, he's not... And we talk about Jack McGlynn all the time because uh, he's a super talented, fun player, like his passing ability. It's more fun to clip highlights of Jack McGlynn pinging the 30-yard pass than it is Leon Flack just always being in the right position or chasing down and um, breaking up a, a, a transition opportunity. He's such a good player. And and like doing the 22-22, uh, I had him really high because if he doesn't improve at all, he's got he's going to have a 12-year career as a really, really good MLS player. I guess if he doesn't get any better at all. And like, he, he, he still can. Like, it's, it's just, again, you're getting a player like that for 200,000, not an international player. It's, it's wild. That, that's a fee that anybody could have paid. And Leon Flock, like, I think that he's perfect for this group and their ethos. Every single team needs a hardworking, piano carrying central midfielder. Every single team in this league, whether you play, like, you know, maybe he wouldn't fit perfectly in the LA Galaxy's possession based system, but I think he'd be a very useful player for any team. So that's what's really impressive. What has separated this team this year from previous years? The attack. Again, it, it, it's a simplistic truism. It's a kind of a cliche, but it's, it's true. In knockout competitions, your best players have to be your best players. You need a supporter shield team. You can get by with depth 
collective team ethos. Playoff teams, you need that as well. But it's the heightened importance of just individual excellence, right? Like Daniel Goshog has, is was, for me, the third best player in the league this year. Um, 22 goals, 10 assists. That's that's an ab- absolute like best 11 elite talent. Julian Carranza has been an awesome, like air quote, third fiddle. And Mikhail Ura, as a club record signing, has led the lines very well. But again, like Daniel, Daniel Gazdag is the star of that attack. Mikhail Ura and Julian Carranza are, are really, really good, like secondary. I mean, that's even dismissive calling them secondary, but you know what I mean? Like, like I'm pointing at Gazdag as, hey, this is their best attacking player. Like maybe he doesn't quite stack up to Carlos Vela, even though he's had superior statistics this year. Whatever you want to call it, he's at least in the ballpark of anytime you step on the field, he might not be the best player on the field, but he's within like, all right, you, you've got a star and you need that. And you look back at that win over NYCFC, Carranza scored the first goal and and then Gazdag scored, scored the second. It, it's no coincidence that these players are involved in that. You look back at the knockout competitions that Philly struggled in in years past, the CONCACAF Champions League, like they have, they're, they're leading, they get to the semifinals against Club America, which is a really, really good accomplishment. And they've got Casper Shabilko and Jamiro Montero. And they're fine players. But those aren't stars, and those aren't stars that kind of compete with the top end talent of Club America. Like that's that's what's different this year. That's what I, I was kind of saying all year long. Like or even in the preseason, to, you know, I make fun of myself enough, so I'm going to pat myself on the back. When I was saying like this team is one of the two best, three best maybe teams in the league, whatever you want to call it. Like they should be a favorite for the supporter shield, and they miss out on a tiebreaker. Not like like because of the foundation, and then like look, they signed two attacking uh, two center forward DPs. I kept saying that I think that Gazdog was better than the numbers he showed. The poor guy went 18 months straight through playing in, uh, with in the Hungarian league in a relegation battle where he was awesome, and then with, with the Hungarian national team, which is really cool. But then then straight into the MLS season, so like it's yeah, that was a difficult situation for him. And look, I'm not going to say that I expected 32 goal contributions. Nobody can really say that. But like, I've had hope that he was going to be a best 11 type player. And he, and he was like, or at least somebody that could be in that conversation. And that's the difference. That's why they're here. And like, like back to the macro point of the squad building, this was an elite value found defensive foundation. And then they, every time that they needed to replace somebody, they did it better. Like, Mikhail Ura for 2.8 million. That's a club record fee. It's not huge in MLS by any stretch of the imagination this year, but it's big for them. Uh, Gazdag was 1.8 million. That's big for them. When they went big, they hit. They absolutely hit. They, they, they have very few, any type of signings that didn't hit, to be fair, but like the most important ones and, and a team that's not a big spending team, air quote, in terms of acquisition costs, in terms of salaries, that matters. And then Julian Carranza was just straight up theft. It was, you know, I'm, it makes sense why Miami had to do it. It's not their, like the, the front office there inherited that issue. It's not their fault that they signed a bad deal. They needed to get rid of him for salary cap stuff and Philadelphia benefited and he fits perfectly in this team. And this is just what happens when, when you have kind of like a cohesive plan and look, the front office has, has done what they've done over the last five years. Like the value that they found and also being able to replace all these players. And look, like if they, if some of these signings didn't work out the way they did, we'd be talking about Paxton Aronson and Jack McGlynn more. We'd be talking about Quinn Sullivan and Brandon Craig and, and Nathan uh, Harriel, who, who was starting earlier in the season. Like this, like they're, they're getting contributions. Like it, it's just a really well put together team. And that's why they're here. And LAFC, LAFC's was very different. Different in a good way, obviously. Like, this is a team that has been extremely successful over the last five years. And again, this is just the ethos. And what I think is so so fun is, is it's fascinatingly different, divergent kind of, you know, roster building ideas and ethos. And they both fit their cities really well. Like, I wrote that today. Like, you know, this 
LAFC that feels like Hollywood. You have the the sleek uniforms, you have the celebrities in the stands, you have the stars on the field, you have the big spending, you have guys like Gareth Bale and Giorgio Chiellini who wouldn't probably wouldn't accept a TAM deal in in, in you know no disrespect to Kansas City. We also like we insert any smaller market here. Like LA and Miami straight up have those advantages, and this team leveraged them, and that's what you have to do. You have to you know the uh, academy players want to play for the union. That's their advantage. Like these are you have to work with what you've got and maximize what you've got. And that's what they've done. So again, it's very different to the union and it's been extremely successful. And you know, the history of soccer, the more money you spend typically is the better you do. So this is, this is where you would argue is more sustainable, but a salary cap league, obviously these things turn over. Anyway, I'll shut up, get into it. They're starting 11. It, it comes with, with higher acquisition costs. And again, they've hit when they went big, Carlos Vela, like one of the best signings probably in league history, what he's meant to this team, what he's done, like that 2018 season was the best, or 2019, sorry, the best individual season in league history, like 34 goals and what it was, 17 assists or something insane. How is that going to be beaten? Like, it's just, it was, God, they were, they were must watch TV. That, that was the best team I, I think I've ever watched. They didn't, they didn't win the title, so they can't be the best team ever, obviously, but you know. That was just straight up incredible. Um, and again, 5.5 million from Real Sociedad. He's been everything and more for this team. And like, and, and again, I'm, I'm starting with the front end of this team rather than the back. And like, I, I, that was a choice the way that I started in defense with Philly. Um, and then with that, so continuing with LFC, like they had Diego Rossi. That was an incredible signing as well, obviously. And they replaced him. Brian Rodriguez didn't work out, but Dennis Buanga. I was saying it, man, all summer, like all the eyes are going to Gareth Bale, rightfully so, for his name and everything. But like, man, Bawanga is going to be a star in this league. Five million dollars, Gabon International. He had ten goal contributions every year for five years, I think, in, in the French top flight. Those dudes succeed here, and like he passed the eye test pretty quickly, and he's kind of having a star turn this offseason. Chicho Arango was was an incredible signing. The way that they were able to kind of max like his contract plus the transfer fee at two point five million, being able to keep that as a TAM player really awesome and this player has been incredible he's it's crazy that there were legitimate trade rumors about him this summer because of you know steve trundo didn't necessarily love everything he did off the ball or whatever the fit however much truth to all this was i didn't think that a trade was ever realistic like like it would have to be what four million in allocation money something insane it always felt more likely to me if he was going to leave it'd be kind of abroad and they didn't need to rush and do that in the summer um it seems like things are better now I would personally build around him as as your center forward if he has a non DP. I think that he's really really good. But again, they went to they went to Colombia, and this is going to be a theme as well. Going to Colombia and Ecuador in particular, they've done incredibly well. Like another kind of tenant that they've had this winter, they re-emphasized their value on MLS experience. Part of that 2019 team, we talk about Vela and Rossi, rightfully so. That was a foundation of MLS experienced players that ranged from above average to elite. There's, you know, Walker Zimmerman, Latif Blessing, Mark Anthony Kay, Jordan Harvey, Stephen Betashore, Tyler Miller. All of those players except for Latif Blessing left. And until this winter, none of them were replaced correctly. And um, like this winter, they went out and got like a thousand games of MLS experience. Like they knew that this was something that they were lacking. They knew that, oh, hey, like maybe we should have you know, tried to keep some of these, but you know, some of it was natural evolution. Like Harvey retired. He, he stayed. Beta Shore was getting older as well, obviously, but Walker Zimmerman was traded instead of ha- getting a new contract, stuff like that. So they went out, they get Ryan Hollingshead, Ilya Sanchez, Maxime Crepo, Kellen Acosta. Those are four, no doubt about it. Starters, key players on this team, particularly Ilya Sanchez, I think has been awesome. Kellen Acosta, obviously he costs a lot to get in a trade blockbuster trade. Th- that was really smart. And, and particularly in the beginning of the season, these players were what was the control and what, 
helped their dominance. Like Jose Cifuentes, who we'll talk about in a minute here, like he was scoring a lot of goals from the bench or whatever, but like what the improvements and again, like and it, it was a transition to Steve Trondo as a new head coach, a lot of new players, that MLS experience makes those transitions goes much, much smoother. And past the guys that are starting, like they're, they tried Esmail DeJoy Shradi, they ended up trading him um, when, you know, Christian Teo and, and Dennis Buanga and Bale were signing. So like that makes sense. Franco Escobar's on the bench. That's another, not just MLS experience, championship MLS experience. Like, you just look look at what they did in the winter, and it was so smart. It was so needed, and it was really well executed. Like, Elie Sanchez, people feared maybe he lost a step. Maybe he wouldn't be able to play in this kind of, you know, front-footed system. He's been incredible. Like, um, best 11-type player. We'll see if him or Cifuentes or both makes best 11. I'm not sure. I already forget what I voted just because of the restrictions in the vote because I have in my head my actual vote and what I would have voted if I was free. I think I did Ilya uh, for both, but, you know, who knows? We'll see. Um, so, yeah, like those MLS experienced players have been so important to this transition and the way that this team started fast. And, like, they had that really bad run in August. If they didn't pick up points early in the season, that cost them the shield. So, like, while they were transitioning to a new the new players, like Gareth Bale was coming in, Buanga coming in, all these, like, they had enough of a cushion that was built because of the MLS experienced players early in the year. Like that is so very important. And then, you know, another thing that I appreciate that this team has done, like Ecuador and Colombia in particular, they have done incredible. Like Edward Atuesta was with this team from the beginning. And then he went to Palmeiras. Like he was the best 11 player. He was really, really fun. They went down after the 2019 U20 World Cup, Jose Cifuentes and Chiqui Palacios. Cifuentes is going to go to a big European team at some point this offseason in, in all likelihood. Palacios probably won't be far behind. Like these two players have been really, really great. And they are, you know, Cifuentes was a reported 3 million. I have no idea what Palacios was, but probably in that, you know, two to four range, whatever it is. Like these were highly rated players. And, and now they're in the Ecuador senior national team. But they identified the right talent and they've developed this talent. Cifuentes is a better player. Palacios is a better player than when they arrived. And that's kind of what their MO, that's what they wanted to do. Um, some other guys who don't, you know, completely fit in this bucket, but like Jesus Murillo and Eddie Zagura, you know, they weren't like U21 players like Palacios and Cifuentes was when it comes to finding younger talent. They weren't stars like we're talking about with Vela, Buanga, and Bale and all this. But like they were value signings from, you know, South America. They had... Their scouting network when they started, Juan Pablo Angel is their is their kind of chief scout for like the Colombian market. Like their South American networks uh, scouting all this is has been great, and those are some really good examples of that. And like Taylor Twelman was telling the story of like Jesus Mario, like he was really good at Eddie Segura, they were really good, and then you know it was hey, who have you played against in the Colombian league that you think would do well here? And like you know I don't know how much of this is like Hollywood and you know revisionist history, and how much of this is one hundred percent factual, but. I was like, yeah, you need to look into this guy, Chicho Arango. And then summer 2020, here he was. Or, yeah, 2021, 2021. Anyway, so yeah, um, I think this is a fascinating game. I can't wait for it. Unfortunately, I'm not in LA because my cousin is getting married. There is no chance that he's listening to this. Um, I do love him. I'm very upset of the timing. <laughs> so, but I will be at I will be at the wedding. So it's unfortunate, but I won't be in LA. This is going to be great, I think. Um for me, this was looking at the matchups. Like, I'm glad once in a while that the two best teams are playing each other, and I can't wait to see how it plays out. Um, what a title would mean to both of these groups um, that neither has been in MLS Cup yet, let alone won MLS Cup. Both have won supporter shields. Both have done so well and have been best practices. And one of these two teams are going to be rewarded with MLS Cup, and I think that that's awesome. All right, so that's Cup. Um, and now we're going to kind of transition and talk a little bit of off-season stuff because. 
you know, working, uh, working the reporting and, and tweeting and stuff, I might as well talk about it on a podcast and put it out to you. So um, that's MLS Cup, and now on to, not, on to the offseason. All right, let's empty out the notebook. Going to run through uh, a ton of stuff that is out there, provide more context, talk through some things. All right, here we go. It's going to be a little frantic, but, you know, you get what you, get what you pay for, you get what you expect when it comes to me on here. Um, all right, uh, FC Dallas. Sebastian Lejet and the club have agreed to a new long-term contract um, that hasn't been announced yet, but that's all done per sources. Um, that keeps the core of like Ferreira, Velasco, Lejet, uh, Martin Pass. Hey, uh, did I say Ferreira already? Yeah, uh, Ariola. All these players, I believe, are on the same timeline in terms of when their deals expire. Uh, Dallas had a very, very good year, very impressive in first year under Nico Estevez, um, and they're building on that. Hopefully they'll have a DP spot either in the winter or the summer to add to that. But that core is very good. Um, one name that I didn't mention as a certainty for the future is club legend Matt Hedges, um, the all-time leader in appearances at FC Dallas. He's been at the club for a decade, um, has been regarded as one of the best center backs in the league for a decade. Um, he's got a club option for 2023, and that hasn't been picked up yet. And in fact, there have been talks between the club and Hedges' representation over a new deal and restructuring and whether something like that could or could not happen. I was told two sides are not close at the moment. And if they don't reach a new deal, Dallas will have to decide to either pick up his contract option or decline it. And if he declines it, he's a free agent and free to sign elsewhere. They pick it up. Um, They obviously are negotiating for a new deal because they would like that to be a lower number. We'll see what happens. I don't, I don't know what's kind of going to happen here. Um, It's something to watch because, and we'll talk about free agents later. That would be a very, you know, I, I know that he turns 33 next year and he's missed a few games. It's not been too many. Maybe if you if you fear he's lost a step, I think that he'll have options in free agency. Um, but we'll see because there are going to be a few really good center backs potentially on the market. That's going to be a big trend to watch. But again, um, nothing's nothing's decided with Matt Hedges yet. That's one to watch over the next week or two. The deadline for teams to pick up or decline contract options is November 14th. I imagine most teams will do it before then because the expansion draft is a couple of days before then, you know, you want to be able to protect players on the expansion list while knowing their future and, and, and the contract stuff, all this, you know, who knows? We'll see. Keep an eye on that. Inter Miami. Um, I reported the other day, they are finalizing a deal to pick up the purchase option for Leo Campagna. Um, that deal is going to be around 2.7 million. The Ecuador international was very, very good this year. Um, he missed some time with injury, but he carried them throughout the beginning of the season. And then when he got hurt, Gonzalo Wayne stepped back in and, and helped kind of carry them forward, get to the playoffs. Uh, it was really unfortunate. He came back a couple games before the playoffs started. He was really good against Orlando in the game that clinched the playoffs. He had a really nice goal. And then he picked up a hamstring injury and could not play in the playoffs. That said, um, the, I believe he's 22 now. Uh, young player, a very good player. It's, it's He's somebody who was a super, super big talent when Wolverhampton signed him. Never quite worked out there, so it's cool to see him find a home and, and, and you know find some success. He's likely to be a young DP, depends on some salary cap gymnastics, but everything that I've been told indicates that he will be a young DP for now. Maybe we'll see what happens in the future. But speaking of DP, uh, DP spots in Inter-Miami, there will be a DP spot open in the summer, and that would be a Lionel Messi-sized hole. Uh, the athletic David Ornstein reported that Miami are increasingly confident over their potential to sign Lionel Messi. Nothing will kind of happen until after the World Cup or nothing will be, no further talks will go until then. Messi's out of contract with PSG. PSG and Barcelona are, are interested in him um, and talking to people at the club. This is real. I know that this has been kind of an open secret. Um, 
heavily reported since he, hell, even day when David Beckham, you know, announced that, that when Miami were announced as an expansion team, Messi was in the video. Um, and people have been saying, when's he going to come to Miami? He's 35. Maybe this is the time. Again, uh, PSU want to extend him. He's back to kind of his best form right now. He, he wasn't, you know, he had a mixed season at PSG, particularly in the Champions League last year. Um, and people were, okay, he's 34 now, he's 35. All right, it, it, is, is this time as him as, you know, one of the world's best players over? Uh, this year, he's looked like one of the world's best players. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but one of the lines that I got from talking to people was, you know, yeah, yeah, we, we, we are ex- increasingly confident. And I'm sure Barcelona and PSG are confident too. And just, just take a step back and think about that sentence and where MLS is in 2022. Enter Miami and PSG and Barcelona are all confident in signing. Lionel Messi and this like uh, it's you know look man we, this league has come a long way uh it's really awesome so I don't know sometimes you, you always kind of have to take a step back but yeah these these reports these rumors these thoughts they're real um and we'll see what happens um speaking of South American players and particularly Europe uh loose transition Fagundo Torres has been reported to have Arsenal interest there have been some erroneous reports that a deal was close um his agent is talking to anybody who will listen about, I have a meeting with Arsenal on Friday. I have a meeting with Arsenal on Friday. So, you know, do with that what you will and media literacy about where it's coming from. If, you know, if it's, you know, it, the meeting I'm sure is real. The guy's putting his name on on it. Um, I was told definitively numerous times that Arsenal have not made contact with Orlando City. You know, sometimes these deals get negotiated by intermediaries and agents. That's possible. And then they're brought to the clubs. But as of right now, nothing, nothing is advanced whatsoever. Nothing's close whatsoever. We'll see what happens with Gundo Torres. But yeah, um, there's there's that. And you're going to be seeing that um, kind of on Twitter and the internet. I'm sure I'm sure his agent will walk out of that meeting and talk about it. <laughs> As he has talked about before the meeting, this is part of a job of an agent. Drum up interest, hype in your player. I get it. Um, again, Arsenal wouldn't be taking a meeting if there was at least no kernel of an interest. Like they were here for the Florida Cup. They know him as a player. They know he's very good. They knew him at Peñarol. Um, again, this kid is somebody that Orlando expect to be in the Champions League level club soon and not just the CONCACAF Champions League that, that's happening next year that Orlando have qualified for. So we'll see. Other big transfers. Portland Timbers, I reported last week, were in advanced talks for a potential club record fee to sign Brazilian attacking midfielder Evander from FC Michelin. He, um, he's he been, he's got a really good goals, goals and assists record for the Danish team. We've looked at, you know, Hani Mukhtar and uh, just named MVP yesterday, MVP finals last year. He came from the Danish League. Mikhail Ura, Philadelphia Union star striker, came from the Danish League. It's been a good good idea to, hey, just spend, go to the Danish League, pick one of the top teams, spend some money, and see how that works. Evander's 24 years old. He's in his prime. He's proven at that level. He's proven at the Europa League level. He's He's got, you know, good this year. Um, I believe it's one goal and five assists, one goal, four assists in, in five games, whatever it is. Very good. Passes the eye test. Go watch YouTube clips. Obviously, those can make anybody look pretty good, but this guy looks worth enough, worth worth the interest, worth the talks. Um, there were reports that his release clause is fifteen million. I'm told that's not quite accurate, but it would still be a club record fee. Their previous club record was like nine million for Brian Rodriguez, so it's at least around the ten million mark is is probably a good deduction to go with. Um, they're very confident that deal gets over the line. Agreed in principle is one thing that I've heard, but you know things happen. Um, sometimes these things stumble at the final at the final hurdle, but. I haven't heard anything new since reporting that that it was very close and and you know very advanced talks. Portland also announced a new deal for head coach Gio Savarese. Gio is um, a respected coach in the league. He's made the playoffs four of his five years in Portland. He's gotten to MLS Cup final twice. 
um, and given the instability off the field with everything that's going on with the NWSL investigations that, that have kind of hit this team and put this team in turmoil, having a guy like Gio, uh, the continuity and stability that that comes with, you know, his character, everything else that comes with Gio Savarese, couldn't say, couldn't say a bad word about the guy in terms of his character, his personality. Um, people quibble with tactics and whatever, but this is probably an important figure to have around during this time um, rather than going for a new head coach. So I'm happy for Gio, happy for the club. Um, but part of that is Gio and Eric Williamson haven't seemed to see eye to eye always. Williamson was a DNP coach's decision in their must-win decision day game. That was kind of a head-scratcher why Williamson did not play because Savarese didn't think that he could help. Um, and this was without Diego Chara as well. There's been some stuff there. Look, the sources around the league think that he's available in a trade Maybe they're asking we're asking for around $2 million, which is like the, the league record fee for Paul Ariola that Dallas paid last year. I think that makes a lot of sense. There are a lot of teams interested. Williamson's going to have options. There are teams in Europe that are interested in him. I was told the 50% sell-on clause that DC United have in Williamson only applies to transfers abroad. Um, I haven't gotten a second you know, source on that. Or maybe there's fine print that they can uh, point to, whatever it is. But that shouldn't that that should make it more likely that he'd be traded within the league because Portland get all the allocation money rather than abroad where they would only get fifty percent of the fee. So we'll see. I think that I are a ton of teams that could use him. Um, this isn't reporting. This is just me and Doyle talking. We've been we've been saying you know Cincinnati seems like that'd be a great fit. There are a lot of other teams. Um, I don't know. Looking forward to seeing how that um, evolves. I got some pushback from sources at Portland that no nah, things are fine. We don't want to trade him, but you know things can change or, you know, I don't know. depends on what the player wants, how everything happens. So again, that's definitely one to watch because that could be another new league record in a trade if it happens. A couple more before I get out of here. Vancouver Whitecaps, they're still training. Um, it was funny. I was talking. I, I don't understand the postseason training stuff. I think you should just let the players go home <laughs> rather than just have empty training sessions. Um, I was talking to one MLS head coach who said, man, I've experienced it. The only thing that comes from postseason trainings is fist fights. So I just have adopted when we're out, we're done. I'm letting the players go. That's probably how I would do it too. But obviously, um, this is a different scenario. Um, Vancouver are having, you know, one of many teams I want to point out that are having um, postseason trainings after being eliminated Toronto or another. Uh, it, it, it's with the World Cup coming up. That, I guess, makes sense for guys who might be World Cup bound. Um, Lucas Cavallini is training with the Vancouver Whitecaps. He has a club option. 2023 i'd guess you won't be back nothing has been decided but it seems mutual for everybody i've talked to in that he would come back and hey we could want him back but we need to align on what makes sense for expectations for playing time and salary and everything else so um it seems like a few too many bridge uh, bri uh gaps to bridge whatever i'm struggling here um it seems unlikely if i had to guess but look it's all on the table who knows what'll happen if he leaves that or if he stays on a TAM deal, that would open up a DP spot for Vancouver, which could be very useful for this team, who I think has a very, very strong starting 11. Um, and maybe with some better injury luck, maybe with some, you know, less complicated coaching decisions, they could, um, you know, do some damage next year. But we'll see. NYCFC, speaking of contract options, Anton Tinnerholm is out of contract. He has given an interview with a Swedish newspaper and, and says he's leaving. He says it definitively. I've done everything here. I need to go back to Sweden, COVID, all that stuff, family stuff, whatever, whatever. Doesn't look like Anton Tinnerholm's coming back. They also have Sean Johnson and Alexander Collins out of contract. I've been assuming and talking to sources around the league, people, the assumption is they can't bring both back or all three of, of them, including Tinnerholm. We'll see what happens there. Again, these are going to be two of the three, I think, coveted, most coveted free agents on the market, maybe two of the four, whatever you want to call it, if you want to quibble with it. Um, that's one to watch. Coaching searches. We still have three teams without 
head coaches. Uh, Houston Dynamo are in, uh, sorry, they've agreed, finalizing a deal, I think was the best way to phrase it, finalizing a deal with Ben Olsen to become their next head coach. Um, The Athletics, Sam Stashko and Pablo Mara first reported that. I was able to confirm that as well. Not that they need any confirmation, but it looks like one of those vacancies are going off the market. NYCFC, uh, Nick Cushing as an interim manager just wrapped up the run to the Eastern Conference Final in August. It looked like there was no chance he'd be back. There was even talks about, are, are they going to make another change and have somebody else take over his interim? Uh, he steered the ship. He did a lot of things right. Um, it's not an easy scenario to walk into, to be fair, particularly losing Tati Cassianos. And again, they looked great at the end of the season. He was highly rated within City Football Group and, and the club. They brought him over as an assistant coach. He had he was the first team head coach for the women's team at Manchester City, won some titles, Carly Lloyd, um, won some cups, I believe, rather. Regardless, he's highly rated uh, mid mid thirties, so he's young young manager, um, old, late thirties maybe. So again, we'll see what happens there. He's a strong candidate. I have, there has been no reporting on their coaching search. Uh, we'll have to find out. And then Columbus Crew, I reported last week that they have made Wilfred Nancy a target. They would have to get permission from Montreal to interview him and then compensate them if they were to hire him. I've been told that there is mutual interest there. Um, Wilfred Nancy, like he, he could see himself there. There's a reason why these talks, they talk, sorry, there's a reason why this interest is, is out there and not just kind of rejected out of hand. Montreal want to keep him. Olivier Renard, their sporting director, has said as much. Uh, but Wilfred Nancy was very noncommittal when asked about his future at their media day. We'll see how that kind of transpires. And then lastly, just talking about free agents, expansion draft, that's all coming up. Um, so we got MLS Cup Saturday, and then the offseason is in full swing. Expansion draft. We can half away right now, St. Louis City. Don't forget, we got a new team coming in. Um, expansion drafters are always fun. Um, and the non-ending, never-ending off-season cycle will continue. All right, that was it for this episode. I apologize genuinely for the delay for anybody who is annoyed, as you should be, for me not being able to fit in into my schedule. Call it lazy. Call it um, not not being great at time management. I'm fair with any of those. You can you can assail me for that. That's fair. Anyway, thank you for listening for whoever's made it to the end of this. Um, and back next week, maybe this week, maybe this weekend. Who knows? Keep you on your toes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.